each and every one of us this morning because I know the anointing is on you and we ask you just to Lord I ask you just to bless Bridget just touch her in a a mighty way and fill her with your spirit that she shares Amen Amen. Amen. Thank you I feel that I'm just a bit of an add-on here this morning, to be honest with you. Um, I think that we've, we've already received so much, I think, from the Lord this morning. And um, I was just thinking when you were speaking and when Jason was praying for the lads as well, that um, I was just thinking, like, you know, thank God that he chooses the lowly things. Thank God that he chooses the despised things, the things that are not to nullify the things that are, because that means that I'm in. That means that I'm in, you know, that, you know, thank God that he uses imperfect people. You know, we don't have to be perfect to be here, thankfully. Um, or I'd be struck down dead in front of you, for starters. Um, is the letter for me? No. Um, okay. Let's get this show on the road, as you say. If I can read me on writing, this should be good. Um, we're having a conversation in my house over dinner one of the evenings with the family and we were talking about the power of advertisement you know and some of the the big claims that are made you know in in advertisement um and i was reminded of an ad years ago i'm probably going to be showing the age now as well um but it was a coke ad coca-cola that is and um and it was a it was a very a very old ad and there was a band um that were singing a song in the ad and they were called the New Seekers. Does anybody remember them? God help us. But um and the claims that were being made in this ad was they were huge claims. So the New Seekers were singing this song anyway and it was, you know, I'd like to teach the world to sing in perfect harmony and, you know, grow apple trees and honeybees. I was going to sing it for you, but I won't. No, I turtle dove. And it was, um, you know, I'd like to build the world a home. And, you know, it was all these big, big words. And at the end of it then, you know, and the, the caption was, Coke is it, you know. And I was thinking, well, you know what, all we need to end homelessness and to bring about world peace is to all have a glass of Coca-Cola together. So basically, you know, it's what's true and what's not, you know. And, and I remember we did, um, I did a Rediscover the Bible course in, in um, Thomas's school here in Bray years and years ago. And um, Fergus Ryan was involved in it. And one of the evenings we did a lesson on what is truth, you know, and can truth be known? So that's what I'm going to talk about this morning. You know, what's true and what's not. And she actually used, the girl that did the teaching that night, actually used the caption um, from that Coke ad, you know, Coke is it. And a question mark beside it, you know. So is Coke it? You know what I mean? So, you know, or is that truth? Is that absolute truth? Or is it subjective, would you say? So Coke wouldn't do it for me, to be quite honest with you. So it's not it for me. So, um, so therefore, I don't think it's absolute truth at all. So, if you were to ask anyone today, what is truth? And particularly in our universities, in our colleges, and in our schools, I think you'd probably receive a, receive a lot of laughter and scorn and derision. You know, um, John MacArthur says, the concept of truth has fallen on hard times, and the consequences of rejecting it are ravaging human society. That's a big claim. You know, the consequences of rejecting truth are ravaging human society. One of the most profound and eternally significant questions asked in the Bible was asked by an unbeliever. His name was Pilate. 
And he said to Jesus, what is truth? Was his question. Um, In Jesus' final hour, uh, just before Pilate handed him over to be crucified, he asked, what is truth? It was a rhetorical and a cynical response to something that Jesus had said to him prior. And um, Jesus had said to him, I have come into the world to testify to the truth. Little did that man know that the man that was standing in front of him could have answered that question for him. But he didn't really want to know the answer to it. It was cynical. What is truth? was basically what he was saying. Can truth be known? Make up your own mind about it or whatever. Um, In John's Gospel, we're told that the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Many times you will read through through the Gospels, particularly in the Gospel of John, Jesus will begin a lot of his sentences with, I tell you the truth. Um, Even when he was speaking to Nicodemus, he said, I tell you the truth, unless a man is born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. He says, whoever lives by the truth comes into the light. And John the Baptist's testimony was that God is truthful. So what is truth and how do you define it? To some, truth is subjective. What am I doing? Grant. Okay. Uh, To some, truth is subjective. The individual world of preference and opinion. Some deny the concept of truth altogether. I came across a survey a couple of, uh, a couple of weeks ago, and, uh, and it was a survey, survey done um, conducted by the Barna Research. It was among adults and teenagers. And they were asked if they believe that there are moral absolutes and that moral absolutes are unchanging or that moral truth is relative to circumstances. Will I just get rid of that, maybe? Is it kind of very echoey? Nearly 90% of the teenagers said that. It was a bit lower in the adults. Now, what struck me was that this survey was done 20 years ago. 20 years ago, this research was done. Can you imagine if you were asking that question today? You know, are there moral absolutes, you know, that are unchanging? You know, 90% of teenagers said, are there relative to circumstances? The most common basis for moral decision-making was doing whatever feels right or comfortable in a situation. Um, And unless, you know, without some firm and compelling basis for what's acceptable and what's not, you know, concerning moral truth, you're left with philosophies. And we've heard these philosophies over and over again. And they go like this. If it feels good, do it. Or as long as it doesn't hurt anyone else, um, it's permissible. Moral decline has culminated in a one-word world view whatever. Many times have you heard that? Whatever. You know. So listen to this definition of what truth is. Truth is that which is consistent with the mind, will, character, glory and being of God. Truth is the self-expression of God. The definition of truth flows from God. 
Truth is the way things really are. Reality is what it is because God declared it so and made it so. Therefore, God is the author, source, determiner, governor, arbiter, ultimate standard and final judge of all truth. When Jesus said, I am the truth, he was making it clear that all truth must ultimately be defined in terms of God and his eternal glory. Jesus is the perfect expression of God and therefore the absolute embodiment of all that is true. Jesus also said that the written word of God is truth. It doesn't just contain some nuggets of truth. Um, It is pure, unchangeable and inviolable truth that cannot be broken. When Jesus was praying to the Father for his disciples, he said, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. We know that God has revealed himself to us through scripture and through his son. Both perfectly embody the essence of what truth is. Only recently was I talking to a friend of mine when I was away and he was telling me that one of his family members was talking about not really believing that all scripture was true. That, you know, because it was written by man, infallible man, that, you know, it's not all true, that there is nuggets of truth maybe in it, but that it's not all true. So I think it's very important to read and understand what scripture says about itself. So in 2 Peter 1, we're told... We did not follow cleverly invented stories when we told you about the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses. We have the word of the prophets made more certain, and you will do well to pay attention to it as a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Above all else, you must understand that no prophecy of scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation, for prophecy never had its will had its origin in the will of man. But men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Now there's the answer to that question. The Bible is the touchstone to which all truth claims should be brought and by which all other truth must finally be measured. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. Second Timothy, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. In Hebrews 4.12 it says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. This is no ordinary book. You know, on every single page of this book is written the words of God. In 1 Thessalonians, we're told to test all things. Hold fast to what is good. Don't just believe something because you see it written somewhere or you're looking at it on social media or it's in big writing somewhere, you know. And don't just believe it because the majority are believing it either. You know, because six million people believe something, it doesn't make it true. You know, it actually doesn't make it true. Um, Bill Johnson says this and it's a big statement as well and he was saying you know if you're spending more time and your input is coming more from social media than it is from the word of God then your depression is self-imposing and that's a big statement it's a very big statement don't look to social media for truth it is not a good place to go looking for truth it really really isn't and I'm not in any way shape or form 
trying to say that I know that there are people that suffer from different types of depression, from clinical depression and stuff like that. That is not what I'm not, you know, saying that all depression is coming from that. But a lot of how we feel can come from what we're reading, what we're looking at, what we're listening to, what we're believing. You know, what you're actually believing matters. Every decision you make as a Christian should be made on the principles of God's word, which is truth, not on preference, which is what you want, you know, which is what feels comfortable and good for you. How can a young man keep himself pure? By living according to your word. That's what the word of God says. Um, there are many counterfeits to what is true, and... Um, and that shouldn't surprise us as Christians because the Word of God again says that Satan masquerades as an angel of light. Uh, we know that he comes to deceive and then he wants to kill, steal and destroy. You know, um, so it shouldn't, really, uh, it shouldn't really surprise us that there's lots and lots of counterfeits out there to what is true. But we have been given a weapon that can defeat the enemy and that is the Word of God. Um, I know there are, many, there are many weapons in the armour of God and, and one of them is the shield of faith and it says that that can extinguish the flaming arrows of the enemy. But sometimes the arrows can get past the shield and wound our hearts and, and they can get in and they can you know, really hurt us. Ephesians 6 says, Stand, take up the sword, which is the word of God and it's the only offensive weapon in the armour. You know, it's okay to get violent with the enemy. It really is okay. And the sword that they're speaking about in, this, in the armour of God is not a sword that you can, you know, you can imagine the musketeers you know, fighting with. This would be more, look more like a dagger. It's, it's kind of for hand-to-hand -hand combat. But the most important part of this sword is it fits you, it fits in your hand. You know what I mean? And also it is for digging out the lies of the enemy because you're able to dig them out and get, you know, dig out from your heart those lies when you replace them with the truth of God from his word. Jesus himself, when he was face to face with the enemy in the wilderness, the tempter came to him and he said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to turn, to become bread. See, the enemy always comes after your identity. It's always who you really are. You know, it's, and it's always in suggestion. You know, it's always a suggestion. Did God really say that? You know, did God really say this? You know, that's, the, that's where he comes. You know, um, but Jesus replied, and his response to that was, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. See, Jesus was remembering a voice that he had heard just before this, when the heavens opened over him, and, and, and the Father had said to him, you are my son, whom I love. You know, and, and Jesus knew who he was, because God told him who he was. The enemy was not going to take his identity. He knew who he was. The enemy was going to come after your identity. And you know something? When you, anyone who, who, who realizes who God says they are, you will never want to be anyone else. You will never want to be anyone else. When you realize who God says you are, the world needs to see you, to hear you, the authentic you, the original you, you know, not somebody else. So many people are lost and trying to be everybody else that are not. You know, be who you are. Be who God says you are. And you will never want to be anybody else. Be who God says you are. Because you were made unique. You know that thing about the fingerprint? Isn't it an incredible thing that there is no fingerprint on the planet the same? 
because you were made an original by God. Original. There's no fingerprint that can match yours no matter where you go. It cannot match it because you're an original. You be the authentic you. Be the real you. Be who God says you are. You know, that's, that's important. Um, many times through, throughout that, that passage in Matthew when the enemy was facing, facing God, the interesting thing is, in the second temptation, he took him to the highest point of the temple and he said, again, if you are the son of God, throw yourself off. And then Satan said, it is written. See, Satan also knows the word of God. But he was using it to distort it, to, you know, to um, twist it for his own gain. You know, it's not just enough to know it and to read it. It's to, it's to open your heart up. It's, it's, to, it's that invitation to get to know the author of what you know, what you're writing. It's what is he saying to you? What has God to, to prayerfully go into it? To, it's not just as an academic exercise to know it off by heart. It's to understand that, you know, what is God saying to you when you open the scripture? That, you know, do you know what I mean? Um, so... He then took him on a high mountain and he showed him all the kingdoms of the world in all their splendor. And he said, all this I will offer you if you bow down and worship me. And again, Jesus replied, away from me, Satan. It is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. I think this is probably the biggest temptation because I think this is where many a great person falls. You know, um, you know, it talks about the love of money and the enticement of wealth and stuff and all of that. And I'm, I'm pretty sure that, again, Jesus knew, he's, when, you know, that scripture that says, what shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world and he forfeits his soul? What has he got? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. But many a person has fallen on this one. You know, when they're offered, you know, they look out and they think the grass is greener. It's not. Um. Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And it says, so if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. There is, why is there freedom? Why do, why, why, where does the freedom come in knowing the truth? You know, for me, it works like this. If I get up in the morning and I blow it, you know what I mean? God's word tells me my grace is sufficient for you. You know, if I'm worried about your kids... You know, what does the word of God say? Worried about them maybe rebelling. You know, the word of God says, train them up in the way that they shall go. And, they, and when they're old, they won't depart from it. You know, if you're worried about being abandoned, you know, what does the word of God say? I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. You know, are you worried about nuclear fallout? What does the word of God say? I hold all things together. You know, that's, they're the things. That's where the freedom comes. It's knowing the truth. You know, when, you're, when you wake up with an anxious heart, you know, and, and, and you're anxious about things. What does the word of God say? Be anxious about nothing. Come before me with your prayers and petitions, and I will grant you peace. I will give you a peace in, in your heart. You know, there's so many times the enemy comes with lies. You know, every lie is to undermine your position in Christ. Every lie of the enemy, that's what he wants to do. You touched on it a little bit this morning, um, Ken, about, you know, our self-esteem and our source of, you know, who we are and our worth. The enemy comes and lies. But you know something, when you start believing the lie and entertaining the lie, you empower the liar. And then you have to have more liars to hold up what you're believing. You know, it, it, it's, it's like there's an epidemic, I believe, on, on, on the enemy coming to try and steal people's identities. It's, it's, and it's, that loss of identity is contagious. You know, you can, you can see, you know, 
the winds of apostasy are blowing. Um, but he who the sun sets free will be free indeed. It's so important to know what's written in this. Who knows better about anything? You know, there's no, there's no power greater than the word of God for your life. Believe the word of God over everything for your life. You know, and over everything else, this is what matters. If it's not in here, it's not true. If it's not written in here, it's not true. You know what I mean? You have to hold that up against everything else. Um, yeah. So truth is a person. When Jesus, the embodiment of truth, was preparing to leave the earth, he told his apostles that God would provide them with the Spirit so that they could recall all that the Lord had said. And part of the Spirit's function was to give them a fuller understanding of truth. Um, he said, I still have many things to say to you now, but you, but you can't hear them now. However, when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. It's not just important to understand where the lies are and maybe where they have been embedded in your heart, where those arrows have gone in, but it's more important to replace those lies with truth. Much more important to be able to do that. And I saw a film years ago, I actually think it was on at the weekend, um, Catch Me If You Can, has anyone watched that? Yeah. And w one, of the, one, one of the parts of that movie which really kind of gripped me, well, you know, your man goes off and he's living as an imposter, he has his meltdown anyway after his family breaks up and um, he's, you know, pretending to be a pilot, he's flying planes, he's in hospitals working as a doctor, he's, he's, uh, he's making all these fake ideas, he's, he's um, working as a lawyer and all of this kind of stuff. And in the meantime, he's printing his own money in this big warehouse. And it catches up on him eventually, the FBI catch him. But then they start to use him to work for them, to help them how to distinguish between the counterfeit money and the real money. And what they were making the mistake in doing is that they were, what they were doing was they were looking at the counterfeit all the time, trying to figure out whether they could pick out what was fake and what was, you know, real on it. And he said, no. He said, you study the real thing first. He said, you get to know the real thing so much so that you will know instantly then when you're looking at the counterfeit where it is. And that's so important. It's just so, so important to understand. You know, apart from the lies in our own hearts and trying to root them out, there's also, you know, we're told in Revelation as well that there's coming a time when, I think it's in Revelation 6, when the white horse has been released and, it's ta and it talks about the um, deception is the name of it. You know, there's a big, there's a deception coming as well. And, and um, I heard the other day when I was listening to a sermon, he talked about these winds of apostasy and talking about them being like a hurricane. And he was saying that the difference between a hurricane and other types of storms is that they get stronger hour by hour. And the interpretation of, of, of apostasy means moving away from truth. You know, the, the, the doctrine of Christ is being blown back and the deity of Christ is being denied. Um, there's a lot of people that are slowly caving in to public opinion and pressure. Um, we now live in a world where we can't say that anything is wrong. You literally cannot say that anything is wrong anymore. Um, every event that happens, it's, it's global now. Every, you know, it's being participated in globally. It's, it's seen globally. You know, everyone has an opinion and an agenda about something. Um, 
So I'm going to ask you, we, we started with that question, what is truth? You know, um, and we're going to finish on, 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 a, on a question. So what are you listening to? What are you focused on? And what story are you in? Bernard spoke a couple of weeks ago where he said that the only story in town was God's story. All of history is about his story. That's what history is. It's all about his story. And the interesting thing about story is that the Irish love a good story. You know, we're, we're storytellers, aren't we? You know, and John Eldridge puts it like this. He says, story is how we figure things out, bring order and meaning to the events around us. The story we hold to at any given time shapes our perceptions, hopes and expectations. It gives us a place to stand. So your current emotional state, does it reflect your confidence that Jesus is absolute Lord of everything on earth, from galaxies to governments, that his church is centre stage, not the world, and that Christ is going to get the final word? You know, um, know the truth of God's word. Don't just glance at it. Meditate on it. Pray it over your lives. Pray it over your families. And as I said, believe the word of God over everything else in your life. I don't think of anything else to say other than, yeah, other than. Yeah. 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 Yeah.